I trust that you have the victory this morning. <laughs> God is good. Oh, I was just, there's somebody here. God is good. Amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts. I want to talk to you this morning about snakes. I know people like snakes. So I thought we'd talk about the snake. You know, that little thing that crawls around on the ground and hisses and, you know, wants to bite at you sometimes, I guess. I don't know. Cleans up your yard. Cleans up your yard. If there was a snake in my yard, he'd know how to keep it cleaned up. He'd know I'd never be out there. So it would be his own little territory, see? <laughs> my, uh, my mother and my grandmother had a great saying back in their day. And they would tell me emphatically, the only good snake is a dead snake. Because <laughs> neither one of them liked snakes. I said, but they're garden snakes and the rat snakes. They eat the... They eat the varmints and stuff, and they said, but they slither on the ground. And they don't look good. I remember my sister-in-law, she was out working in her yard. And she called my mom, screaming. There's a snake! There's a snake! And so my mom said, well, get rid of it. I can't. It's looking at me in, from the bushes. And it was laying on top of the bushes, sunning. And so when she went out there, it just looked at her. It didn't do anything. It didn't move. It didn't do anything. It just laid there. And so my mom said to her, well, just leave it alone. It'll go away. She said, but I've got, to, I've got to clean around the bushes, and I can't because it won't let me get near the bush. And she said, is it stopping you? Well, when I get close, it looks at me. She said, I need you to come and kill it. So my mom walks over to her house because they live next to each other and she walks over to the house by the fence where the hedges are and sure enough there's this big black snake laying on top of the bushes and she proceeds to tell me they proceed to tell me this is what happens she leans over the fence and the snake looks at her and she proceeds to say okay little fella they're wanting to do some yard work here and if you stay here, they're probably going to kill you. So the best thing for you to do would be to leave so that they don't kill you. And my sister-in-law said, see, he's not leaving. He won't even listen to you. And she said, well, perhaps I'm not saying it correctly to the snake. I'm not talking properly to the snake. So she slaps her hands together and says, now move on. And she said that snake went down out of those bushes and took off across the yard like lightning. 
And she looked at my sister-in-law and she said, now you can go about doing your garden work. But the next time you have a snake problem, don't call me. She proceeded to tell me later, she didn't know what she was thinking. She said, I must have been out of my body because I don't like snakes. <laughs> so I said, you must have been. In Acts chapter 28, in Acts chapter 28, verse 1, Paul is bitten by a snake on Malta. He was on a journey. Paul was on a journey. He was going to Rome as a prisoner. Many trials awaited him for when he would get into Rome. But he would be shipwrecked before he got there. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Malta. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. For they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw this venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom thought he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. How be it? They looked when they should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while, they saw no harm came to him. They changed their minds and they said that he was a god. You see, Malta was an island about 60 miles south of Sicily. It had excellent harbors, and it was ideally located uh, a place for trade. God had promised safe passage for Paul. But you see, a storm came up and it wrecked the ship, and Paul was comforted by an angel in Acts 27, 22 through 25. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for believe God that there shall be, it shall be even as it was told to me. You see, this shipwreck left them stranded on this island, and, and Paul, they, they were all kept alive. None of, them, none of them drowned. 
Matter of fact, when the ship was coming apart, they, they told him, go ahead, start. So they told the prisoners, start swimming. If you make it to land, then you're in good shape. But if you drown, so be it. How's that for a, for a commander of a ship? Just start swimming. Not try to guide the ship over to the island or anything like that. The ship was coming apart. So they were to gather, try to find pieces of the ship to hang on to so they could get to land. But they were met by natives and a warm fire, but yet trouble was ahead. How many of us are, have expectations of safety, but yet harm still seems to come our way? A viper coming out of the fire and attacks Paul. The vipers are often, vipers often appear out of the fires of life. Amen? We go through some trials and vipers seem to show up. Times of trouble make us very vulnerable. God has promised for the fiery times. Matter of fact, he gives us a promise in Isaiah 43, 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Even though the rivers shall not overflow thee, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Going through rivers of difficulty will either cause you to drown or force you to grow stronger. If you go through a fire or a trial and a situation with your own strength, surely you know that you will fail. But if you go with the Lord, he will protect you. He will guide you. He will bring you through the fire unscathed. Paul shook off this viper when he was attacked. So should we. You see... My question to you this morning and what I want you to contemplate is this. What vipers in your life do you need to shake off? You see, in verse 3, and when Paul had gathered the bundle of sticks together and he threw them on the fire and the heat hit the sticks, the viper came forth. Sometimes we go through trials in life when things get hot. The vipers seem to come out. They come from everywhere. All the vipers that, of, 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 of many different circumstances. Maybe the viper of discouragement. Paul was attacked while helping. While he was doing good, he was gathering sticks to bring them, to put them on the fire. Not only so the guys could get warmed up, but it was cold. So it was to, to help them. He was gathering these bundle of sticks for the fire. But vipers often appear when we're doing the right thing. For what purpose? To discourage you. To see, to try to show you that you're not doing the right thing. Paul could have allowed this attack to cause doubt to his mind. But... But that wasn't the case. He would have thought or he should have thought, well, I, 
I guess I must have done something wrong somewhere for this to happen. First, I'm being taken as a prisoner for not doing anything wrong. Then I'm put on a ship that gets into the middle of a storm. Have you ever felt like you've been put on a ship unjustly and you hit a storm unjustly? And then what happens? The ship comes apart. And then you have to swim for your life. And just when you think all is settled down, all is calm, all the peace, you've made it to land, you've made it to safety, here comes the vipers. Problems, I felt bad. When I read this story, I was thinking, man, Paul, you had some kind of a journey. Instead, he shook off the viper. What was he doing? He remembered God's promise. What was God's promise? That he would keep him safe. Church, even when the vipers come, even when the terrible things in your life seem to be piling up, just remember this. God says he will keep you safe. He has made a way of escape for you. That's what the word of God says. God hasn't changed. His promises have not changed. God's promises deliver us. And so you know what? We need to shake off the discouragement that comes our way. The people, the doubters, those that come our way that say that it's not possible. Maybe you've had that this week. Maybe somebody has told you that's not possible. I say through God all things are possible. I know there are people that are skeptics, doubters. Those who want to try to convince you that, that God is not always the best way. How about the viper of criticism? We've got a lot of critics out there. We've got a lot of people telling us what to do and what not to do. People uh, 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 reaction from critics. No doubt this man is a murderer. I mean, they didn't even know Paul. And already they're casting judgment upon him. Well, listen, I mean, you see a guy standing up in front of a fire and he's got his hand like this and there's this long viper hanging down from his hand, a snake. He must have done something wrong to offend God that he would send a poisonous snake to take him out. You see, these people were very, very superstitious. They believed in many gods. And when they saw Paul and he was unhurt by this poisonous snake, what'd they say? They thought he was a god. Sometimes we do all these great things for people and all of a sudden people start putting you on these pedestals. People start building you up into these high places where all of a sudden you're looking for people's accolades. You're looking for people to tell you that you're doing good, you're doing great. Oh, you're God sent. How many people have ever heard that? You're God sent. You're heaven sent. How about I'm just doing what God called me to do? I don't take any credit for this. It's God's business. You want to give glory for, for something you heard this morning? They give glory to God. Because Jesus is the one that we must exalt. Jesus is the one that we must put up on that pedestal if you want to put somebody on a pedestal. Don't let man be put on a pedestal because he only gets knocked off. 
Many are quick to judge and falsely accuse. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're being wrongly judged or falsely accused. You are not the first person, I'm going to tell you this morning, a newsflash here, you are not the first person to endure this kind of a trial. Many are going through trials right now, this day, just like you. You know, we have to remember what the scripture tells us. There are none righteous, not none. Jesus was consistently criticized. Let me give you a couple for instances this morning. How about Jesus was called a blasphemer in Matthew 9, 3. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. Blasphemy is, is claiming to be God and applying the characteristics to yourself. The religious leaders rightly saw that Jesus was claiming to be God, and rightly so he was. They didn't understand. They couldn't understand why he was who he said he was. They didn't understand that, that he had the authority to heal and to forgive sins. He was accused of being in a league with Satan in Matthew 9, 34. But the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils, though the prince of the devils. We see in chapter 9, the Pharisees, the accusers of Jesus and four different sins blasphemy and immorality, empty and demon possession. Matthew shows how Jesus was brought to a place for those who received, received great things. So why did the Pharisees do this? You see, Jesus bypassed their Religious authority. He weakened their control over people. He challenged their cherished beliefs. He exposed their insincere motives. While the Pharisees questioned and debated and dissected Jesus, People were being healed and lives were being changed right in front of them. Their skepticism was based not on evidence, but sheer jealousy. You see, I find that people like to accuse Christians of a lot of things. Oh, he's one of those Christians. He's one of those tongue-talking, pew-hopping born-again, believing Pentecostals. You know, them, them people, they, they're all righteous. They're holier than thou. You ever been accused of that? But you see, they're jealous. You see, they're not jealous because of who you are. 
They, they're jealous because of who you have. You see, we, we have a direct relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have a relationship with the one who says he will fulfill the desires of your heart. We have a relationship with the one who died for our sins and who has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also. You see, they're jealous because they don't have that relationship. The blessings of God that continue to flow into your life. I want you to think for a moment. Think just, just go back a month and think, what has God done for you this past month? Some may say, well, he hasn't done a whole lot, but he's done something. He's allowed you to wake up. He's gave you some fresh air to breathe. He's provided for you. You see, we have a lot to be grateful for. When the world is down and and, and, and troubled because they're, they're, they don't know where to turn. They don't understand that, that, that God has made a way for us. And there's, they're out there in fear. They're struggling. They're, they're trying to figure out, what should I do? I mean, the, the, all these things that we're being told to do. And, but yeah, people, they're going to church and they're, they're worshiping. They're They're happy. They're happy. You see, we're in the midst of a pandemic. And they're happy. They should be worried about getting sick and dying, but they're happy. You see, church, what I love about Victory Fellowship Church is this. Each person I've talked to has placed their faith and their trust not in this church, not in this building, not in their membership, but in Jesus alone. In Jesus alone. You see, people don't do that anymore. People don't put their faith in Jesus anymore. You know, you realize the online watching of church has increased by leaps and bounds. So much so that now that churches are starting to open up, people aren't going back to church. You see, I can't do that because the Word of God tells me to, fear, to forsake not the fellowship of gathering together as some have, have, have done. We need to come together for the encouragement, for the praying of one another. To, for, it's, it's just encouraging. Remember how Jesus responded to his critics. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. That's what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 
That's how Jesus responded to the critics. How do you respond to the critics? How do you respond to those who criticize you this morning? Who are always looking at some way to tell you that you're not doing the right thing. You see, we have to shake off the vipers of criticism by looking to Jesus. Wherefore, seeing we also are compressed about with so great of a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto the Lord Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Criticism it happens. But you see, I think Paul was also telling us to shake off the vipers of low expectation. See, a lot of believers, I believe, have low expectations of where they are and in their walk. Well, I just don't have the faith that Pastor has. I don't, I don't have the faith that Rosemary has. I don't have the faith that Irene has. I don't have the faith that Eddie has. You see, this low expectation is only a drawdown. You see, the natives expected Paul to do what? To swell up and dive, to fall down dead immediately. But he didn't do that. Some have low expectations of you as a Christian. Why is that? Because they're waiting for you to stumble and fall. They know you're going to do it. You know, I've, I've told you this a hundred times about my sister. Some of those things in your past, people continually bring up. Uh oh, I see some rolled eyes this morning. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're waiting for you to backslide. They're waiting for you to backtrack. So, you know, they're, they're, they're just waiting. They, they just know what's coming. You know, my sister never forgot that burnt hot dog story. She reminds me of it. But I have the most wonderful wife in the world. Because she'll say to her, but look where God's brought him to. We got the critic, and we got the one who helps to bring into light what things are really like now. Sure, they're waiting for us to stumble. Sure, they're waiting for us to fall. But you know what? Jesus has given you something that they don't have. Sure, you can stumble. Sure, you might fall. But Jesus says, get up. And he dusts you off. You ask for forgiveness. He throws it all out again. And you start over with him. Hallelujah. I mean, that's a great thing. We have to shake off the faithless conclusions of others. 
Let me say this. God in his word says, who are you going to obey? God or man? You hear me this morning? God said, God proposed a question to you. Who are you going to obey? God or man? I don't know about you. Yes, I might stumble. I might trip once in a while. But I know this. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith is in the cross. My faith is in he who died for me and has gone to prepare a place for me. Because he is the only one I can trust. He is the only one that I know that will carry me when, when I do fall. And I'm not worried. I'm not looking for Jesus to be standing there. I just knew he was going to do it. I knew he was going to fall. I knew he was. I just knew. I saw it coming. What am I going to do? I guess I'll just throw him out with the bathwater. Is that, is that the old thing? Throwing the baby out with the bathwater or something like that? I, I never understood that. One day y'all have to give me an enlightenment on what that means. Maybe I'll Google it. You might tell me if I Google it. Isn't it amazing how much Google knows? But Google knows nothing? It's amazing to me. Church, prove them wrong. Prove them wrong by being faithful to our Lord. Prove the world wrong because you have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. You have a love for the Savior. You, church, you see, church, when you, you can prove the world wrong by simply saying, no matter what you think, my relationship with Jesus is strong and faithful and good, and I'm going to keep serving him no matter what happens, no matter how many times I fall, no matter how many critics come my way, no matter what kind of harm seems to flow through me, what trials I may go through, I'm going to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, church, when we take that stand and we take that kind of bold placement with society, people will stand with you. People will believe in you. They will trust you. Just, look, what did he say in John 10.10? 10? The thief cometh not what? But to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that ye may have life, that ye may have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give us an abundant life. He didn't come to walk over you every time you fall out. Man, I'm telling you, this guy's starting to get on my nerves. Every time I turn around, he's tripping up, he's falling, he's backsliding, he's, he's involved in something. Jesus is not like that. He's encouraging. We can have daily victory in spite of the opposition. The Holy Ghost has equipped us to win this race called life. Church, do you want the Holy Ghost to help you through this life? Are you looking for the world to help you out? When we shake off those vipers and experience the joy of the Lord, there is nothing greater. Nothing greater. As I read that story of Paul, and I thought at first when I read it, I thought, now talk about a bad day. You're put into prison for something you didn't do. 
And now they're shipping you off to Rome to see Caesar. In the midst of that ship comes a storm. And that storm is so violent, it starts ripping the ship apart that they tell you to start swimming for your life. And it just wasn't some warm summer's eve either. This is a cold winter's day. So it's raining, the storm is there, the boat's coming apart, now they've got to get in the cold water. And they get to land, they're trying to dry off and warm up, and he gets bit by a snake. That's a rough day. I don't know by anybody's standards, but to me, that is a rough day. But Paul counted it all joy. Think about that, church. When you go through your roughest day, count it as all joy. Pastor, you lost your mind. Have you ever seen some of the days I've gone through? Karen, I'm sure she faces some of the people up there and when they're coming in for their licensing and all this stuff and have to get for their inspections or some of you that drive or Randy that works at Home Depot and he has to put up with all those people who said they had sold the wrong stuff. <laughs> they go in and pick it up, but yeah, he's wrong because he sold them the wrong stuff. That's how it goes. When I deliver paint, they say, well, you put it in the wrong place. But you know what? I count every day as joy unto the Lord. We should be the happiest people in this on, in, in, on this earth. I know I can't see all your smiles, but you should have smiles. I think everybody should go get a mask that has a big smile on it. If you can't, if, if you got to be out in public with a mask on, get one with a smile on it. Then you can say, see my smile? I mean, I've seen some crazy masks out there. Some people walk around, got a kitty case, kitty mask on their face. I'm thinking they're an the human or the animal. I've seen some with some strange writings on them. A little scary, too. But a smile. A smile says one thing. Joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see, that's the relationship we have with God. That's the relationship we have with Jesus. An abundant life. A life of joy. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you this morning, Lord, that you have given us that joy, that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I thank you for giving us this message about Paul on his journey. Lord, we know that he had a a rough day. Lord, many of us have rough weeks. But Lord, we can count it as all joy because you, Father God, are in our lives. And Jesus, you make a way where there seems to be no way. And Lord, for that alone, we can be happy. We can have victory. Because we know that you, Lord Jesus, have brought us to this place. 
to this point in our life that we can count it all as joy. Lord, give us that joy this morning. Give us that peace this morning, Lord. That peace that passeth all understanding. Father, no matter what our trials may be this week, Lord, let us, let us put it before you. And Lord, let you handle the battle. Let you handle the trial. Because Lord, walking with you, we can come through that fire unscathed, untouched, but refined. And I thank you, Lord, that we can be refined by that fire. Lord, I pray this morning that you will help us. Help us in the trials of life. Help us with those that are critics. Help us, Father, with those with low expectations. Help us, Father, shake off the vipers that attack us every day. And Lord, we can do that with your word. Keep us strong. Keep us faithful. Lord, help us to finish this race in life well. And we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it. In